This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Tonight for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio brought in a very recognizable, beloved voice on 900 CHML. He's still working, actually. Jay McQueen, the guy who does weather all day long. Beloved. Beloved. I would would count you among the beloved. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're not Ted Michaels or anything. No, I mean, that's, what is that? What level is that? It's like... Legendary. uh, Legendary. (laughs) 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 Hyphenated. (laughs) But no, uh, Jay McQueen, glad to have you in. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks. You know what? I haven't been in since... uh, the last time I was in it was the brightest panel. Yeah, well, we now know, it's the brightest uh, conversation in Hamilton Radio. Yeah. You know, so it, it be, there's a way more pressure on you. Now there there really it is. is. Yeah. So this song that was playing by Smash Mouth, mm-hmm. uh, not the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, this is a it, this whole thing in Toronto. There is nothing that happened this week with this van. There is nothing that is not tragic about this thing at all. And so, in no way. Are, am I going to, or are we going to diminish this, reduce this? The tragedy is epic. It's off the scale. The families that are suffering, it's just, it's remarkable. However, I saw a video clip today, as it turns out, and it was a clip, someone on their phone took video of the moment the police officer was taking the guy down. And again, I mean, horrible circumstance. The guy looks like he's trying to be shot. He's making yeah. sudden gestures and yeah. he's holding something up that looks like a gun and the cop is showing amazing restraint. But here's the thing. Here's why I bring this song in. If you watch in the background while this is going on, while there is a police pointed gun standoff in Toronto, there are three people walking along the sidewalk right behind the suspect. They come out from behind the van like they're la, 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 la. What are these people thinking? (laughs) What are you thinking when there's just been mayhem? Mm Mm-hmm. And now there's a cop pointing a, a semi-automatic handgun at a guy, and you're thinking, wow, this is kind of neat. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch now, but maybe one of them may have been on the phone. The other one was probably texting. <laughs> you it know, was, I, I watched this, and I watched it over and over, and then I asked the guy at work, I said, have you seen this? Have you? And he goes, yeah, I saw that video. He goes, I, they were talking about it on CNN. Like, who are <laughs> these people Yeah, that... I don't know. I mean, we're never hopefully ever going to be in a circumstance here in Hamilton or wherever else where suddenly we stumble into a middle of a horrendous crime scene. Sure, yeah. I, you hope that never happens. But I would I would think that if I did, my response would not be absolute la-di-da, laissez-faire, yeah. carry on with life. I'd like to think I'd be protective of my life. Yeah, and it's not like that kind of stuff happens uh at all, if ever, in in Toronto, right? So it's no. not like it's like oh, it's just another you know another gun, gunshot going off, or, you know, oh whatever. It's where we live, but no, it's it's uh, I can't believe that, and um, yeah, it would be interesting. I'm gonna go back and have to watch that later to see what so if somebody if one of them was texting or or on the phone or uh, just just what the heck was going on. I can't imagine <laughs> just walking down the street, even here in Hamilton, even if there was not a gun out. If you were walking along the street and you saw a police cruiser pulled over in the middle of the road, it's going to get your attention. And then you see the officer standing in the middle of the street and someone else facing him. Probably you're reacting in some way to get out of the way. I think everybody sort of has, I think I've come to learn that everybody has a different level of uh, um, sort of situational awareness. Spatial awareness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's like uh, that scene from one of the Bourne movies when Jason Bourne's sitting there and he's going like, I don't know why, but. I can tell you that the guy at the bar is six foot three and two hundred pounds and know how to hand knows how to handle himself. There's a rifle in the back of that pickup truck out there, and the fastest way to get out of here is through whatever. And I can run, you know, half a mile flat out. Right? There's some people who just, you know, I I, I, uh. I I like to think that I'm a little I'm more aware of certain things than than maybe you know some people might be right. Like you're just more watching these people. I don't think just, they were special agents no. on their lunch break. <laughs> Yeah. They, they did not give the impression that they were James Bond's understudies and, wow. oh, look, I can stop a bullet with my teeth if I need. I mean, it was, it was, I just, I watched this thing. It was, it was one of the truly, one of those things you watch it and then you watch it again and then you watch it again and you're, th- and you're trying to put yourself in their head and you're thinking, what in the world must they have been yeah. thinking? Yeah. And what would they have done? And thank, thank goodness for that police officer. And, and I mean, everybody has said this. The guy deserves all the praise that he gets for 
his his what's the word? I mean, his it, well, de-escalation is his, de-escalation uh, is, is non uh, is non panic threshold. Yeah, his use of force was. I mean, I mean, they're trained to if if they're in harm's way, right? Uh, you know, you you. Uh, you take the, you know, you do what you need to do, well, you take right? The guy. They're used to, they used to talk in hockey that Wayne Gretzky had the highest panic threshold of anybody. That if somebody was approaching him to check him, he could somehow just know to hold on to the puck for half a second longer oh, yeah. and the guy might peel off and somebody would... This cop had unbelievable panic threshold. Oh, yeah. I don't know, and we're, this is not, this is apropos of nothing, if this had been at night or at dusk, I don't know that that suspect is as lucky, honestly, because yeah. if you can't see clearly what he's got in his hand and you just see a yeah. dark object that's being pointed like a weapon, yeah. I'm not sure he ends up, this ends up quite so well, but look, mm-hmm. that doesn't take anything away from the cop. He no, saw that it no. wasn't a weapon. He didn't shoot, yep. but man, those people, I just, I would, I would love to find <laughs> out who they are and say, what yep. in the world was going on in yep. your noggin? Yeah. Some of them might've had headphones in, right? You know? All, well, it's the the funny part is, and if you could find the thing online, all of a sudden they go, oh, and then they, they <laughs> scramble and it's like, oh, okay, that's me. That's me. I got to get out of here. <laughs> we got to get out of here. You're listening to the Scott Radley show. Weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. The guy you just heard doing the weather, you hear him doing the weather all the time because he's on here all the time. No, I don't think anyone in the city of Hamilton has more airtime than Jay McQueen. That's, which is good, which is pretty, good. Uh, yeah. And you know, we, accurate. and we, we also, uh, your name came up here because, um, two weeks ago, when did we have the big ice storm? Uh, I was, two I was, weekends ago. Yes. Yeah. I was mocking all weather people except you. <laughs> you were the only weather person that, that I, you know, that I give my trust to. And it turned <laughs> out that the weather people happened to be right that time that I mocked them all. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, that's the thing. You take a lot of flack, right? Um, what I didn't mention in the forecast actually is that, um, we may see 20 degrees a couple of days uh, early next week. So that's something to look forward to because the weekend's actually going to be quite cool. I don't care. From a as long as there's no ice storm. Yeah. As long as there's no ice that. storm. Although, uh, don't rule out a few flurries it's late tomorrow night. Yeah. Okay, you can leave now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we got a lot of things I want to talk to today, but let's start with this one because it was one of the really... Um, I think controversial is a fair statement. One of the controversial stories from this week happened yesterday, and this was the verdict in the Matthew Green, Councillor Matthew Green, police officer situation. And and I assume that 99.9% of people know what I'm talking about for the 0.1 who don't. Uh, Councillor Green, two years ago yesterday, as it turns out, the timing was, uh, was rather apropos, two years ago yesterday was standing under or somehow under a shelter, a, a, a bridge, and a police officer stopped and asked him if he was okay. At least this is the story that uh, you can decide on which side of this you believe in. Uh, Councillor Green believed and complained, believing that this was a racially motivated stop to check on him, that this would not have happened to a white person. Uh, Councillor Green, of course, is the only black councillor in, in Hamilton on council. And the Police Service Act, the, the, the officer who did this was um, accused and faced a Police Service Act hearing. He was found not guilty of discreditable conduct yesterday. And the hearing officer, who was a police officer, a former police officer, former deputy chief, said he just, he simply didn't believe Matthew Green's testimony and thought that the officer did what officers will do. So I leave the the nuts and bolts, the details, you can go, there is the the entire ruling, the entire decision. You can find it at thespec.com. There's a PDF there. You can read the entire thing if you want and make your own decision on who you think was right in this case. That That is your decision. But here's what I want to ask you about, Jay, because mm-hmm. there were two comments that were made by Councillor Green afterwards in the media scrum that was done afterwards that I found interesting and that I don't, well, let me, let me read you. We'll do one first and then after the next break, we'll do another one. Here was the first one. Um, and this one, you've probably heard this. It was played on CHML here several times over the last day or so. Uh, talking about the officer, this is Councillor Green. I don't know what he was thinking, but I know what I was feeling. I don't know what he was thinking, but I know what I was feeling when he was talking about racial 
motivation, I guess, or that kind of thing. And I, I read that over, I, I heard that and I listened to it a bunch of times and I thought, wait a second, is that, is that what the law is? Like, is the law not requiring to some degree anyway that you are, that the officer has had some sort of, now I think Councillor Green is saying this is subconscious or unconscious racism, but what Hmm. you're feeling is not, because I feel bad, does that make it a crime on your part? It shouldn't. Um, You know, I, I, why he was... um, they stopped, they pulled over and stopped and questioned him and, and all that stuff, you know, it's at, uh, you know, I guess it's at the discretion of, of the officer, um, you know, whether he's going to upset somebody by doing that, um, you know, (laughs) that's not really, I don't think it's his job to, to, uh, to, to think that much about it. Uh, now, whether <laughs> they've been look, they've looked into, you know, w- you know why why he was stopped and and what was behind it, and and the judge ruled, I, I guess, that there was no, it wasn't uh, racially motivated. I, I believe that's yeah. No, he, what I he mean, said. he said the officer was in. This was a stop, and he believed that he was checking on his well-being, or at least that was a plausible explanation, and that there was no evidence that it, this was racially motivated, and thus it was no discreditable conduct. I, my issue with this, I don't, I mean, obviously I can't enter into the head of the police officer and obviously I can't enter into the head of Matthew Green. But if you say something that, and, and, and so again, that's, that's the basis. We don't know who was thinking what at the time or what motives or anything else were. We can't do that. We have, we simply, um, uh, unless there's evidence to suggest it, we don't know what motives were. So if you do something that offend me, but your intention is clearly not to offend me. And there's nothing that is obvious that it, does that make it a crime? Does that make it a wrong that you've done? Does that make it a, what we're saying here is, I don't know what your motivation was. You may have had pure motives, but I believe, well, I felt badly. Therefore you're wrong. No, I'm not sure that I, I can't, I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to say that because I feel badly, you obviously had some sinister or wrong motive. No, I mean, there needs to be, uh, you're right. And I, and I think there needs to be, if, if somebody feels badly about something, then maybe, you know, I, I was always taught you have a conversation about it and you explain where you're coming from. And then maybe, you know, maybe the person stops what they're doing or, or whatever. Right. But I don't think that it's, you know, if, if we get into, um, in this, in, you know, this case, law enforcement, we get into, you know, running the gamut of thoughts about, okay, well, if I do this, what are the impacts of, you know, sometimes it's just a split second decision. You got to do, you got to do it right. To me, this is not about feelings. We got to take a break. This is not yeah. about feelings to me though. That's, that's the problem is there's got to be more to, I think there's got to be more to it than that. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Scott Radley show weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. A verdict from yesterday that the police services act hearing. And there was another part to this. And Andrew Dreschel wrote about this today. A lot of people wrote about this today and talked about it. Uh, the other part that Matt Green said after the hearing, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, was that a hearing officer, an adjudicator, a judge, whatever you want to call him, who isn't racialized, so who isn't a minority, who isn't black or some other minority, can't really understand what it's like to be racially targeted. Therefore, you know, this was not really a a good decision because he doesn't know what I've gone through. And I'll say this, I agree with that point. The the second point, I agree that he, of course, cannot understand. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what you've gone through. You don't understand. And we're all different. But so to that point, technically, I agree with that. You have not lived my life. I haven't lived your life. Sure. We have different worldviews, different experiences, different points of view. However, it seems to me to be a dangerous position to take that unless you are a black judge for a person in this particular position that you can't make a fair ruling. That to me, it, we get into some really yeah. dangerous stuff about our justice system, about our legal system. Basically, this says 
that unless you are ex- not exactly, but very similar to me, you can't make a ruling over me. I, I that to me is yeah. I mean, problematic. You know, you if anyone's ever been for jury duty, I mean, you see the uh, the process and the length they go to to select a jury. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Very few people, uh, you know, I guess percentage wise in the province, in the country, ever get to a position of, of you know, being a, a judge or, you know, a hearing officer in this case or, or whatever. Um, so I agree if, you know, if we're going down the road of, okay, well, you know, we're looking at things. If, if the person is, is white, then we, you know, we need to have a white judge on this because otherwise, you know, uh, judges of other colors are not fit to hear the case because I mean, they that, don't have the same life experience. I grant you that they don't. That not everybody has the same life experience. I will grant you that most people don't live the life that a judge does. A judge doesn't live the life that a fire a firefighter does. A firefighter doesn't do the live the life that a butcher does. A butcher right. does on and on. We and and those are just careers. But if we're saying that you can't understand what it's like to suffer the effects of what this crime or or wrongdoing is let's take this a st- i mean to the almost a silly extent but let's so does that mean that a judge who has never been a drug addict shouldn't be hearing cases involving drug dealing because you can't really understand the damage that has been done unless you've lived that life and yeah. i know that that's the extreme example i understand sure, that yeah. But I don't think that you, I think it creates a problematic position or a problematic view of our judicial, our legal, our whatever system. If you're arguing that the only people who could judge me or make a ruling on this are those who have lived exactly the life that I have, and they are unable, the justice system is unable to separate itself from its biases, and therefore it's wrong. Yeah, and the slippery slope is that. As we like to do so often nowadays, we like to um, go back and either try to erase history or, you know, changing names of monuments and doing things like that. So do we then go and start looking at older cases and saying, well, you know, this judge wasn't uh, a good fit for, you know, this this person who was making the, the claim. So, you know, we have to throw this out and, and redo it all. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say there have never been racist or biased judges or racist or biased jurors or racist or biased cops or, uh, of course there have been. Yeah. There have been racist and biased people in all walks of life. But I don't think in this particular case, I don't see the reading the ruling, reading the, what he, I don't see the evidence that somehow this particular adjudicator was racist or was unable, was being unfair. I don't see that. And I, and, and to me, the bigger issue is I don't know that we want to create, we've already got identity politics that we're branching into all different tribes and small communities and everywhere else, because we have to be with people who are just like us mm-hmm. and everyone else is the other people, but I'm looking at this saying, I don't know that it's healthy for us to now do the same with our justice system or our different levers or steps of the justice system where you basically are saying, unless this person has lived my life, they can't make any kind of decisions. That, 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 that creates so many, in my mind, that creates so much doubt and so many questions and so Mm -hmm. much mistrust in a system that we should be trying to make trustworthy. I I agree 110% with you. And I, you know, I just, like I, like you said, I think it's a, a slippery slope to, you know, to, to go down and, and, uh, and, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to live in, in a, in a, you know, in, in a time where we have to, we have to do this tear it all down and just, and, and you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's, yeah. If there is evidence, if you can produce, and I don't just mean Matt, Matthew Green, I mean anybody. If you can come into a, any part of the legal system and you can establish that the cop, the juror, the judge, the whomever has been biased against you because of your race or religion or creed or whatever else, 
1000% I am in favor of pointing that out, correcting that, making sure that's not the case, yep. purging that person from the system, all that kind of stuff. 1000%. Mm-hmm. But this to me sounds like an empty line that only seems to sow doubt and so that kind of thing. And, and I, I just don't believe it. I don't believe yeah. that someone who isn't racialized could not hear this case. Yeah, I, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Boys of Summer may arrive at some point. I think it'll be mid-August. Got Mr. Weatherman next to us. He said there's flurries possibly tonight. You, you do Tomorrow night maybe, yeah. You do realize we're at near the end of April. I do. I do. Unbelievable. Yeah. Jay McQueen in studio. He uh, not only Hamilton's most talented weatherman, but, uh, <laughs> but also my confrere this evening on the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. Uh, there is an event going on downtown Hamilton this evening in the City Hall forecourt. Yeah. Where the giant Hamilton sign, which is very unique. I believe now Hamilton may be the only city in the world that has such a thing. Oh, wait, no, sorry. <laughs> Every city in the world has one. Uh, is being lit now. Look, Jay, I am. I, I don't. I don't dislike the Hamilton sign idea, but this has got to be the worst place for it, doesn't it? Is it so? I, I've just seen pictures, sort of previewing it. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding right. So it's kind of like in front of City Hall, kind of a little bit. Uh, if you're looking at City Hall, kind of a little on the right side. Is that yeah, where, yeah. where it is? And. I, I like the idea, even though it's not unique, Toronto has it and, mm-hmm. and Kingston has one. I saw a picture because the Bulldogs were just playing in Kingston. Look, er, everybody's getting one of these signs. That's okay. I like the idea. I think it's a good idea. I just think who go, other unless you're paying a bill or you work for the city, who goes to City Hall? Our City Hall is not like Toronto with Nathan Phillips Square where it's a gathering place. Yeah. Our City Hall is not a gathering place. Our city hall is the, is not where this thing should have been. It's a good idea. I think it should have been on the escarpment, on the mountain brow, basically, That's, so that the yeah. whole city is seeing this as they drive up. Or is, that, to me, is a place you do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I used to, I remember being Although a Although it probably would have fallen off when all the other <laughs> stuff was falling off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I uh, may- maybe they can look, I don't know if they're they're able to uh, move it at some point. I mean, but you're right, there's no, uh, you know, I was thinking about, it'd be cool to take take the kids down there, but then I'm like, well, what else? I mean, it's what else nothing against downtown, but, you know, we can go over to King Street, but like hey, right, kids, right. visit the planning department. <laughs> yeah, right there. Let's pay our parking tickets on Summer's Lane. <laughs> you know, right there on... Uh, the concrete jungle right out in front of City Hall. I mean, you know, you know, what else is there, right? There, there's a Christmas tree in uh, in December, right? And there are regular protests. Correct. Uh, so if you're going down to protest, you can have your picture taken with the Hamilton sign. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, the, the I always loved when uh, they would put uh, Merry Christmas or whatever on the uh, the side of the escarpment in Christmas lights. So now that you mentioned that, because I think I was starting to think, okay, where else, where else can we put it? Where I mean, I guess it's a it's a it's a balance between you know it being visible, but people may also want to visit it and you know take their selfies with it, and so I guess it's... so. Where could it have been? I mean, as I yeah. said, I thought I think the Mountain Brow would have been a perfect place for it, as you because you could see it from so many parts of the city to have this and with different the, this thing. It's kind of cool. I mean, the 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 lighting behind it. It can be every different because it's LED or LCD, yeah. whatever it is. It can LED. be all all different colors, and you can you know if there's a uh, if the Thai cats are playing, you can have it black and gold. And if the or if the bulldogs are, yeah, it's like yeah. what they do with the CN Tower, right? But th- yeah, but think again. Think of the, okay. So it's now it's on the mountain brow, and we know the Hamilton Bulldogs, and that just because they're currently playing, they're going to be in the OHL finals starting mm. next week sometime. Think how cool it would be on the mountain brow, so everyone in the city can see it every time the Bulldogs score. It starts flashing black and gold, like those flashing red light that yep. you get for your Budweiser yeah, yeah, yeah. cups. <laughs> that okay. There's a really cool idea. There's, and that's for the whole city. As it is, let's say you do the flashing black and gold every time the Bulldogs score. The only people who are going to see it now are the City Hall janitors. Yeah. 
you're right. <laughs> I, you know, and I think that uh, that yeah. What well, the problem with putting it on the side of the the escarpment is is that the city will get sued because some idiot will try to scale the side of these the uh, the brow. Uh, the you're mount, not wrong. The mountain, as people so often do. You're not. You're not wrong. There would be somebody <laughs> so. would do something stupid and then try and sue the city. Yeah. So putting it there, you're just you know, it's like bees to honey, right? You well, know? Will just whisk Will, who's behind the glass today, doing the answering the phones and pressing the buttons to make things work. Bill just Will Will just whispered in my ear that Sam Lawrence Park was suggested. Let's put it up on Sam Lawrence Park, shining over the city. Sure. That could have been something. Again, could someone have? Someone could sue the city because they climb on it here and fall down. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You can sue the city <laughs> for your stupidity no matter what you do. Of course, yeah. I, perhaps, you know, I, I, didn't, I haven't been down yet to see if the city has taken the preventative measures of having mattresses all on the ground around it in case somebody climbs on it and falls off and lands on their head. Well, and don't forget to bring the, you know, the sunglasses in case the uh, You burn LEDs, your retinas. Yeah. Yeah, or if someone's got some sort of uh, condition and, and they're sort of flashing quickly and you go into a seizure, you could sue the city. I mean, look, someone will sue the city for something to do with this. <laughs> Hopefully it, it leads nowhere, but I just... It just the the city hall forecourt to me in Hamilton is not the place. It's not the place. It is the perfect place if you're a politician thinking of where to put something because you're sure. there all the time. Yeah. But I don't think anyone else is. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. It's not the sign, as I say. I I I like the idea of the sign. Not unique. No one can argue that this is unique, but that's okay. It not mm. it doesn't have to be unique, but let's I just wish it was something more impactful. Sure. Sign wise, yeah. position location wise. Yeah, I you know, I what about um that pedestrian bridge over the QEW to me it kind of like screams out as like it needs something more. They've have you ever been driven by there at night? They've got these like awful smoke yellow LED lights on it, and and I don't know who picked. You know, there's when you go to like the hardware store, there's a thousand different kinds of like there's the day bright daylight white, which is like a <laughs> almost a cool blue white, yeah. and then you got the yellowy. This is like yellowy, a yellowy tinge. This it is looks basement awful. of government office. Yeah, accounting department, the 70s, yeah. where you can smoke in it. Yeah, yeah. Where, where it's buzzing while it's. Uh, <laughs> I, now, I'm not entirely sure that it would be great for traffic safety to have a giant flashing LED light above the highway as you're driving along and. Well, yeah, considering everybody was <laughs> complaining about the signs on the link, right? That's true. Two, we got another call. Okay, go ahead. Let's just grab Mike here. Mike, how are you tonight? Very good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Where would you have put a sign? Where it is, or would there be somewhere else? Um, I was thinking about on top of Jackson Square. You know what? It's an interesting idea because at least it's elevated so you can see it from a distance. Yeah, uh, you can see it from more spots. And and the other thing was is that it's too bad they couldn't maybe gone a little bit smaller and split it up to two signs and put one down by Centennial Parkway on the escarpment where that cross was and then, and then put one on Jackson Square. Yeah, sort one of. that says Hame and the other one that says Ulton. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I appreciate your call. Thanks. No problem. Happy Friday. Yeah, you too. To Sue's point about uh, suggesting that you know, pe- travelers or drivers, uh, you know, generally know where they are. Funny story about that. When when uh, Jen and I were driving to uh, Jacksonville for the Bills playoff game in January, it was dark and uh, we had the GPS on, but the GPS isn't very good at. Uh, as I found, state lines. So we were driving through um, West Virginia, the mountains, in the dark, and ding, 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 and ding, I don't ding, recognize. Ding, yeah, <laughs> I don't recognize most of these town names, right? Because it, it, I think we were on I seventy nine or seventy seven, pretty small towns, and so we pull up to this toll booth, and uh, I happen we you know we paid our uh, thirty eight cents or whatever it was. <laughs> and the woman, I said, by the way, I said, are we in? Am I in uh, North Carolina right now? Or or uh, she's like, no. She, boy, you still in West Virginia, <laughs> and uh, and and my and Jen kind of laughed, and I said, oh, "Okay." And she's like, "You," she's like with her, you know, her southern accent, right? She's like, "You in a state of confusion <laughs> is what you in." <laughs> I, well, I I don't know that I don't know that anyone's driving through the city of Hamilton looking for this sign to let them know they're in Hamilton either, because they would be if you're in a, if you're driving down Main Street and you need a giant 
LED sign flashing saying Hamilton for you to know you're in Hamilton, you is in a state of confusion. Yeah, definitely. So you can still email me if you want to let me know. Radley at 900chml.com. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900chml. Hey, you know, uh, we're, we're, uh, we were just talking during the break um, about the you know the NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs still going on. Leafs are out now and Nashville is playing. And Nashville, if anyone's ever seen a pregame show, and they don't usually show it on TV. You have to kind of go online and watch the YouTube, whatever. Nashville's pregame shows are pretty epic. Yeah. Nothing compared to Vegas. Shockingly, yeah. Vegas, not exactly the picture of subtlety <laughs> when it came to their pregame. So, so after, in the first round, when they had their first ever playoff game, it was like a Vegas show that happened to have a hockey game <laughs> as part of it. And I thought, oh, they've run out of all their good ideas. No, 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 no. They upped the ante. So this, this pregame show, but they played game one of their second round series. They beat San Jose, what, seven, nothing last night, I think something like that. Oh, wow. Um, Vegas Golden Knights. So their nine minute pregame opening act <laughs> involved, I got to go through some of this stuff, okay. a, uh, a narrator who was way over the top saying things like, our Golden Knights face a new foe from the depths of San Jose. <laughs> And they've got animation of a shark swimming under the ice. Oh, boy. And then they had a guy, uh, like a, a hermit medieval guy wearing a hood, carrying a lantern of indeterminate <laughs> understanding. And there was a castle and there was a drum line with the drums lighting up every time they hit them. Oh. And there was a 20 foot helmet with smoke coming out of it of the Vegas Gold Knights and then on the ice there was a Vegas Knight a Gold Knight slaying a guy holding a San Jose Sharks <laughs> banner and there was strobe lights and oh, there was pot boy. lights and there was flash bulbs and there was uh, what else was there oh there was um, there was the uh the, a heavy metal version of uh, Ride of the Valkyries by Wagner. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, the the one that you know probably better is Kill the Wabbit, Kill yeah. the Wabbit from Looney Tunes, that one. Uh, and there was <laughs> scenes from Apocalypse Now, and there was Bugles. It was like they had people from Vegas go sit in a room and think, okay, what is everything possible we've ever used in a show ever? <laughs> We've got nine minutes. Use it all. Yeah. Throw it all in oh, there. cow. Yeah, I can't wait to see what's going to happen if they get to the finals. When they're, they really pull out the stops and stop using subtlety. They're going to do like, you're going to have uh, uh, Apollo Creed come out and do Living in America <laughs> or, or James Brown. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Play the James Brown thing oh, that from would be Rocky awesome. Four. <laughs> I love that. That would be awesome. Do that and have um, Cirque du Soleil sprinkling bags of Elvis sweat over people in the crowd <laughs> while they're doing backflips on the white Siberian tigers of, uh, oh, what's their names? Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah, those guys, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, subtlety is not a Vegas trademark. Let's no. just say that. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. On a slightly more serious note, only slightly, you are now, your choice, doesn't matter who, you are Kathleen Wynne, you are Doug Ford, or you are Andrea Horbath. You could also, if you really want to be, you could play the role of one of the smaller parties, the Green Party or the None of the Above Party or any of the others, whatever you choose. You are running for office, but when you look, when you hear about what the uh, finances are, what the Auditor General just came out with this week, the troubles there, do you really, do you really want to win this election? Knowing that if you take office, it sounds like the finances for this province are in such chaos that you are walking into a field of landmines the minute you take over the premier's office. Do you really want to win? Yeah, it's a good question. It's like applying for a job, and and you know, and you're you're on your way to you know to uh, to the job interview, and you hear a news story that uh, this this company uh, just laid off like a hundred people, and you know, they're slashing this and cutting that, and you know, and and then you're sitting, you're about to walk in, and you're going, "What am I doing? Yeah, you're why applying, do I why do I want to work here? Like you're applying as CEO, and you find out when you get there, the job is actually to clean toilets. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it, it just it sounds like the more you hear about what the state of things are in the province, and and keeping in mind, it's not just the finances, because even our current premier Kathleen Wynne is saying 
yeah, we need to pour way more money into healthcare because our healthcare system isn't working and education isn't working and this isn't working. So apparently if you put all the package together of all what all the leaders are saying, nothing in the province works and we're also way in debt and have to slash. <laughs> Who wants that job? I, you know, I don't know. And I think it would be a hell of a lot more fun to just be in opposition where you can just mindlessly rail uh, c- constantly on the the party that's in power, whether you know whether you believe what you're saying or not, it's always just let's just disagree because that's what we have to do, uh, you know. But it's it's a mess. Like you would spend the first two years at least trying to sort out just how messed up the finances are, and then you know, and then once you finally decide what you want to do, it's. You know, it's time to rerun again. Time to run for re-election. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, Holy so essentially, smokes. what you have to do is spend two years or whatever trying to fix up some of the messes that may cause a little bit of pain, perhaps. And then the last year, you got to give everyone back everything that you've already fixed up because you got to win their votes back again. Yeah, and knowing that whatever you do may may get undone anyway, right? It's like. I have a I have a three and a half year old and a fifteen month old. It's like cleaning different rooms in the house. I was, okay. You know, you you clean. You spend so much time and energy, you know, uh, cleaning the room, and then it just gets undone like that because somebody goes and dumps a bin of toys just because that's what kids do, and you know, and then it's a mess again, and so you're right back to where you were. So you know, it's talk about spinning the tires and a frustrating. But this isn't even a. This isn't even about sort of picking off Kathleen Wynne or anyone else because again, to back to the point. Okay, you're Doug Ford. You would win. You take office, and in your opinion, the finances are such a mess. You're going to have to make. So you're going to have to find ways to save money. All right. So there's a mess. But if you're Kathleen Wynne, you are, or Andrea Horvath, you are acknowledging that a lot of the stuff in this province isn't working. Kathleen Wynne is not running on a platform of, look, we've made everything perfect. Let's maintain the status quo. Every single leader in this election is running on, this place is a disaster. We got to fix it. Now they have different ideas of how they're going to fix it, but nobody is saying things are moving along tickety-boo. Yeah. Nobody. And so you you are going to, and, and whoever gets the win, whoever becomes the government, we know that you've got the hydro file, that everything has been pushed back a bit. So whoever gets into office, hydro rates are going to start to rise. And I don't know if they're going to remember that it was Kathleen Wynne and her government that caused this, but you're going to be the one wearing this. Mm-hmm. You're going to have all these other things going, if I'm one of them, if I'm Doug Ford, if I'm Andrea Horvath, I'm looking at the, first of all, I'm Doug Ford, I'm saying, can we have a recount on the, I, I think maybe we'll let the other, you know, someone else <laughs> yeah. take it. If it's Andrea Horvath, I'm saying, like, I've done this twice. The, you know, the Hamilton mayoralty race is coming up. I can probably, you know, be a credible candidate there. I don't know if I can win, but I can give Fred Eisenberg a run for his money. I, I think I'm just going to jump to that one right away. Why I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want this job. Is there, I don't even know, is there a province in the country that, you can sit there and go, yeah, this they got their stuff together, man. Like I, I want to run this because I, you know, I'm gonna look. No, I don't, uh, I don't know. The one place that maybe you could look at and say it's not going great right now, but it's like taking over a hockey team or a baseball team or whatever that has not done well, but you see the potential that you you're getting them at the bottom and you know they're on the rise <laughs> rather than the other way around. Yeah, and that would be Alberta. Yeah. Because if, if oil prices start to rise again, if this pipeline ever goes through, mm-hmm. you can see that, yeah, you know what, costs have gone up, but there's things you could do. This could be a province that rebounds reasonably quickly. And True. so you go in there and you may be able to look like you've been the savior of the province. Yeah. If you, But I, I just, I can't see <laughs> anything here in Ontario, anybody winning and coming out of this looking like they've got the answers that are going to solve everything. No. It's just a landmine after a landmine, and from day one. I mean, the Auditor General is pointing out that the deficit that we're going to run, now, this is her math, the Liberals disagree with it, but is basically double what the Liberals say it's going to be. And we're already 312 or $320 billion in debt. <laughs> this is, 
how are they that far off on the numbers, right? Well, like, no, you yeah. know, accountants can do amazing things with numbers. Well. You, the, you know, accountants, I, I, I know lots of, well, I don't know lots. I know a number of accountants, which I suppose that's the best kind of accountants, the number kind. Yeah. Uh, but I know every kind, I know a number of accountants and I, you know, we've always heard this, that you can make numbers to some degree, do what you want them to do. For sure. Yep. And you can move some stuff around. I'm not saying they're cheating or lying or conniving. That's not it at all. I think you can just, there are different interpretations of different things yeah. and you make the interpretation go the way you feel it should go. Yep. But That's I, exactly right. But I do, I, uh, no chance I want to walk into this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ontario, yeah, the, the, is it's pretty much an ugly, uh, the books are ugly no matter which way you look at it, right? Let's just sell like sell the CN Tower to China <laughs> and say, okay, we're clear. Let's, that's worth $312 billion. You can have our tallest building and then can we wipe the books clean and start over again and then we'd be fine. Yeah. But it's, until then, I, I don't know. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Have you ever been on a TV game show? And I think about this, but no. No? No. Ever wanted to? I, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Would there, what, what would you want to be on? If you could be on a TV game show, which one would you want? Well, I had uh, some friends of mine go down and they weren't on, but they were in the audience for uh, The Price is Right when they went to Vegas and uh, California and stuff. Um, you know what? I think I would, I, I would enjoy Family Feud. I, li- right. I like Steve Harvey. All right, Family Feud works. Yeah, I've, I would, I've been on one. But I, yeah, but I'll tell you that and say, I'd love to be on Survivor. I'd love to do Survivor. Oh, okay. So now we're thinking. No, but it could be that too. Yeah, but, yeah. Or anything, but when I, you say game, you said game show, right? Yeah, but I it, think? I mean, you win a million bucks on Survivor. I, well, yeah. Last week on Survivor, our family watches Survivor religiously. Last week on Survivor, it was back to the having to eat like gross stuff. Yeah. And I was like, how is that such a problem for everybody? It's for a, <laughs> potentially for a million bucks. You chomp it in half and you swallow it. Not that bad. Anyway. Uh, yes, many years ago, back when I was in university, I was on a show called Bumper Stumpers. Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Which, uh, it, it was not the highest brow form of <laughs> game show level entertainment. Nonetheless, got on there and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, there is controversy though, because there is now a, t- a game show that is um, being done in... Um, is it in Thailand? I think it's in Thailand. Uh, Korean. It's in Korea now. And the winners, you the different levels of prizing along the way in this game show is different levels, different amounts of plastic surgery. Oh. So, you know, if you do okay, maybe you get a new nose. If you <laughs> do really well, you get a nose and your face lifted. If you mm-hmm. do super well, you get your nose, your facelift, and new boobs. And if you, like, on and on and on. I don't know. And people are very, uh, there, are, there are a lot of people who are very upset saying this is this is way out of line. <laughs> Would you have a problem with this? Do you have a problem no. with something like this? If people, you know, I, I think there are uh, people out there, everybody has different thoughts on plastic surgery, whether they would do it or not. And um, so, I, yeah, I, I think that if, uh, if somebody, uh, for those people out there who might, you know, want to get something nipped and tucked, then, uh, yeah, why not go on and just, you know, save winning the money to do it. Just like, here, yeah, here's the prize is this okay. procedure. And so now let me throw the curveball at you. By the way, it's oh. in Thailand, not Korea. I just found this here. So now the catch to this show is that you don't win in the traditional way. It's not like a quiz like we're doing tonight. It's not like a dexterity. It's not... You go on, and according to the story here, you go in front of a panel of plastic surgeons who tell you what's wrong with you. Oh. (laughs) And if you are one of the people who, I guess, in their panel, that you are judged to be the most hideous. (laughs) Most in need of it, I guess. I guess that's exactly it. Then you will get your plastic surgery. But what this means is, I guess if you're the lucky one who's hideous enough that you need it worst or most... (laughs) You get it. But all the other people are going to be paraded in front of a national audience told, man, you need this and this and this, but sorry, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've got to go back to your village or back wherever else and yeah. you are the- Yep. Too the, bad. You're the elephant man. Yep. Take a quarter, go downtown. <laughs> See- Uncle Buck. I still, 
I still, I still don't have that much of a problem with this. And maybe that makes me a horrible person. But if you are, if they were walking, if the producers are walking through cities and villages, rounding people up saying, Hey, you pointing at you (laughs) and saying, you're really horrendous looking. You want to come on a game show and, but, or if they were kidnapping you, but if you voluntarily, like it's when someone, it's the equivalent to me in some ways of when someone goes on American Idol for whatever reason, and they cannot sing to save their life. They are horrible and they go up on stage and make a complete fool of themselves. That's their thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I often wonder about, you know, you watch movies and you see, um, you know, there's a, there's a guy and they, you're like, oh, gee, you know, that guy's, that guy's scary looking or weird looking, right? Or crazy looking. I mean, so what do they, you know, when they're casting for this part, what, what do they, well, you know, and you, you're, I guess you're, if you're an actor, maybe you have an agent or whatever, but your, your agent calls you and says, Hey, they're looking for some, some guy who just looks psycho. scary and crazy and psycho. Yeah. And I think, I think you, <laughs> you fit that part. You know what I mean? Like, well, what's the name of the actor? Uh, Will might know this one. You may know this one. He's in, oh, he's in almost every movie as the, I, there's, no, there's no other way to describe this guy, and this, this is a horrible description. He's always the guy who looks like he would be the homicidal Latino. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, who, I'm, yeah. You know who I'm talking uh, about. What movies? Yeah. And he's been in a million different things, but he always plays the same role. He's yeah. always the, the Latino guy, the Mexican, yeah. who is either the killer or looks like the killer. Because yeah. he's just got this look on it. He just looks terrifying. Yeah. I think Will has a name. Do you have a name? I'm, was it Javier Bardem? No, no but, but no. Because he was no country for old. I'm no. trying to think of what movie. If no. you tell me what movie he's in, I, there's could, a, I, I can't think. But there's a character yeah. actor. But you're right. There, there are people who have, for Hollywood and stuff, a look. Yeah. And this guy, you, there's, a, there's a funny video of him playing with puppies. It's a YouTube <laughs> video. And it's just because it's so out of <laughs> yeah, character yeah. for this guy. And he, but... Everyone, like you, you hear him on, on interviews or whatever else, he's a lovely man. Mm-hmm. He's just got the face yeah. that is terrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but for this then, so a, a TV game show, if we had, see, here's the thing. I don't, this is in Thailand. This would create mayhem if you did a show like this in Canada <laughs> or in the States, that we are going to have the show that you are so badly, now, unless you have some sort of injury or something because you had cancer or surgery or something. That's a different thing. That's not what these people are talking about. These are just people who have their look and Mm -hmm. the doctors are up there at the front saying, here's what you need to fix and this is wrong and this is wrong. So it's basically you're picking the the, the person It's the opposite of a beauty contest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's the anti-beauty contest and the winner gets to be fixed into a beauty. Didn't they do this though once? Wasn't there one in the States called the Swan I think it was, or something like that where, where you, but what was the, I can't remember, Will, what was the swan? It was it something about, it was people who were transformed kind of like, um, my fair lady into someone beautiful. They didn't start physically that way, but I can't remember if it was with surgery. I think it, it, was, it was surgery. It was plastic surgery. I remember that. I'm not sure if it was a new person each week or if it went on and on for weeks of Telling them, oh, you need this and you need that. Come on, we got to fix this. I have no idea. I'm trying to find out. Uh, uh, the swan. The swan, yeah. It, 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 it is always listed among the worst TV shows of all time. <laughs> and yet always. in Thailand, this is a big hit. Yeah. I got it. Oh, I, as well. I found the description. Yeah, it's women who are unhappy with their lives and appearance are revitalized by undergoing physical, mental, and emotional transformations. Each of the contestants is assigned a team of specialists, yada, 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 yada. Revitalized. Revitalized. That's a nice Yeah, which means lifted and tugged and enhanced. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how much emotional work was being done, but I can tell you there was some physical work being done by scalpel. I don't know. Can uh. I can I ask another game show question? Yes. I I don't know the answer to this. What is the prize if you want to win or uh you, you yeah, you know, naked and afraid? See, there's nothing. Have you, I, now, I don't know if people have seen Naked and Afraid. 
Uh, it's I on have like Discover. Is it Discovery Channel or it's Discovery like Channel? That? Yeah, it's Discovery Channel, and it's not exactly what people would think if you've not seen it, because uh, it sounds sexual. There's no. I mean, this is not naked dating or whatever no. that show. This is what this is: is two people who are uh, survivalists. Yeah, get dropped into some hideously rural, remote place with like venomous snakes and panthers and. Yeah. Storms moving in and all this stuff. And they have to survive <laughs> for a period of time with no clothes, no fire, no equipment, no nothing. You just dropped in there. A man and a woman never met each other before. Yeah. Boom. Uh, really awkward, I would guess, at first. Yeah, I would think You're, so. I mean, you meet the person yeah. and you are buck naked yeah. and you have to survive. And there's no prize as far as I understand. Yeah, I think it's 21. I, I don't usually watch it. I watched a random oh, episode a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, come on. You know, I, well, I'll tell you why I watched it because it, said, <laughs> it, it said, said naked. It said uncensored. So oh. I was like, well, okay, what are they going to, is this any different? And I don't know whether it was just a, a network thing or a satellite Jen thing. Jen was out that night, right? No, she was right there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was you, censored as usual, right? It, it was all blurred out except for, for the butts, you know. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 21 days, 21. And I thought to myself, this is, so the guy left, you know, he wussed out. Because he was sick and tired of walking through a swamp with no shoes on and getting every all of his orifices bitten by mosquitoes and everything. I'm not else. worried about my shoes in that no. case. <laughs> shoes are the last of my concerns. But it was they were in I think the mis- jungle in Mississippi somewhere, and it just it rained and rained. And she's sleeping out in the rain. The fire's going out, and she's like, "I got to get to 21 days." And I'm thinking like, and then they they pick her up in a boat, and that's it. And I'm thinking like, well. And they just ended the show, and I'm like, I said to Jen, well, did she win anything? No, you like, win the, you, well, I would assume that most of these people are working in the survival industry somehow. So <laughs> you can put this up on your wall saying, hey, I survived 21 days with no clothes and no nothing, and they, everyone's going to line up for your lessons. Uh, it is not, that is not, when I said I want to be on Survivor, I'm not sure I'm lining up to be on Naked Survivor, which is basically, this is like <laughs> yeah. hardcore Naked Survivor. Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, that takes a special breed for that. I mean, I, yeah. But they could at least give you something. I mean, come Well, on. we watched one one time, and again, it, people who were thinking, well, why are you two guys watching naked people in the woods? It's all blurry. They're not yeah. actually showing any of the parts. Um, and they were in Africa, and as they're in their makeshift house, hut, whatever that they had built, they're hearing, I'm I'm trying to do a growl. (laughs) Like they're hearing a lion like 10 feet away. And it's like, wait a second. I don't think this is supposed to be part of the show to see them be eaten (laughs) by a giant cat. Yeah. That's when the person bailed out on that one. It was like, yeah, I think I think I've had enough of this. I don't really need to be dinner. I mean, I'm sure the camera crew's armed and all that stuff, right? But still. You know who would be great on Naked and Afraid? All these Thai people who have just had plastic surgery and now look spectacular. <laughs> if you're going to be naked and afraid, at least go out there looking yeah. good with everything lifted and tucked exactly. and hairless and, yep. you know, Brazilian and everything else. I mean, may as well go out there and, and look, look the part. Look the part, yeah. Look the part. <laughs> you're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. You remember Rob Schneider? Yeah. Saturday Used to be on Night Saturday Night Live. Live. Yeah. And Rob Schneider was a, a, not everybody's taste, certainly isn't everybody's taste in comedy. He's pretty lowbrow comedy, but nonetheless, he was on Saturday Live. He was on there in with the um, uh, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Chris Farley years. That he area, was on yep. there. He was the uh, the copy, making copies guy. Yep. And, um, he has, he made some interesting comments today. He was talking to uh, the New York Daily News. And as again, as an alumni of Saturday Night Live, but not just talking about Saturday Night Live per se, talking about comedians and comics and co- actors and entertainers in general, he says, you know what, the all-encompassing, fully immersive shots and jokes and things at Donald Trump all the time is ruining comedy and ruining entertainment and hurting entertainment Because he says two points. One, he says you're casting off half your potential audience right off the bat. And two, he says, if everybody already knows what the joke is going to be, there's no surprise in it. You think he's got any points here or is he just a guy who's 
talking because he needs some more attention <laughs> and uh, he's out of the limelight a little bit and you know well he, that's been known to happen but I you know um, I, I do sometimes get to the point where uh, I mean even just the you know news coverage of Trump I I think to myself man is it you know this is just going to get crazier and crazier and what what has he done now and and so the yeah you almost tune into uh the you know the late night talk shows or whatever and you almost uh expect okay you know the uh, the first couple of minutes are going to be on whatever happened with Trump uh you know that day right and um yeah, and, and like you said, like you said, the you already know what the punchline is going to be or what the joke is. Well, so. he says this is his line. One of the lines he, one of the quotes he has in this piece for to the New York Daily News. The fun of Saturday Night Live was always you never knew which way they leaned politically. You kind of assumed they would lean more left and liberal, but now the cat's out of the bag that they are completely against Trump, which I think makes it less interesting because you know the direction the piece is going, and. I think so. I, I honestly believe that he's on to something a little bit here yeah. because there was. It does, as you say, like CNN, for example, which is not comedy. I think CNN has completely forgotten what that red thing at the bottom saying "breaking news" actually means. Like it has been on nonstop for <laughs> seventeen months. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing now that CNN ever says that's not breaking news, and when you have it on every single time, it means nothing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I guess when something comes out, it's, I guess it is breaking, but if it's, if it's well, not, not a story, if it's a non-story, if it's not, you Donald know, Trump has lunch, breaking news. Yeah. And so then what happens when something really happens? How do you, like super breaking news, <laughs> you know, uber <laughs> yeah. breaking news. I don't yeah. know. What's like, how do you, how do you distinguish then between the breaking news and the sort of breaking news and the not really breaking news. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I can recall, um, uh, because I, I watched a lot of SNL during, uh, the Farley era and, and, you know, Kevin Nealon and Phil Hartman and all those guys. And I, I remember Phil Hartman doing, uh, Bill Clinton and some hilarious, uh, hilarious sketches of him eating McDonald's sandwiches and stuff like that. And, you know, in his running suit and, you know, and, and, yeah, I, I think I think this I think it's like Trump overload, and not not in not only in in comedy, but it's you know right or wrong in in everything, right? Because I guess it's, it's everything is just so over top and unbelievable. Well, here's another line from Schneider, and he's talking about Dana Carvey. He's talking about Phil Hartman. He's talking even about Will Ferrell doing George W. Bush. He goes, Carvey played it respectfully. To me, the genius of Dana Carvey was Dana always had empathy for the people he played. Meanwhile, Alec Baldwin, who of course now is playing Donald Trump, mm-hmm. has nothing but a fuming, seething anger towards the person he plays. I don't find his impression to be comical because, like I said, I know the way his politics lean and it spoils any surprise. There's no possible surprise. He so clearly hates the man he's playing. That's a good, yeah, it's a good way to look at it, eh? That, that you know, when, when Will Ferrell was playing George W. Bush, it was it was a shot, it was a zing, but it was a... I think it was a playful zing. And when, when Dana Carvey did George W. Bush, and again, when Phil Hartman or when, um, who was uh, the other guy who did Bill Clinton uh, for a while there, when, oh, when those yeah. guys did, it was, it was with a tongue-in-cheek sort of wink and a smile that we're having yeah. a little bit of fun. It's, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting theory that I hadn't really considered that in order for something to work as comedy, there has to be the possibility that you might go the other direction with it. Yeah. You, you like you like the the part about knowing what the joke is going to be, right? I mean, that's that's that takes away from it. I mean, so essentially what I think he's saying here is if you're doing a skit and Alec Baldwin is playing Trump and all of a sudden someone playing Obama were to walk into the room, what Rob Schneider is saying is you know they're never going to poke fun at Obama. They're going to oh, it's always going to be the same way. So yeah. it, you sort of lose some. I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting suggestion. I'd not considered that before. I I do feel often not with Saturday Night Live necessarily alone, but I do feel like you do that we are in serious Trump overload. Oh, like, it's Trump just, mania. Um, you know, and I guess part of it is is you need to keep the spotlight on them so that uh, you know when things are uh, going for uh, you know 
going into the crapper, um, you know, we're not we're not surprised by it, and people can try to do something. And but it goes back to my thought with the CNN breaking news thing. When you the risk that that some news organizations, and I think CNN has fallen into this, the risk that some run when they cover breathlessly every single thing, no matter how big or how small, is when the big things then happen, you've been inoculated against it. Mm-hmm. It's like having your injection before you go and because you don't want to get typhoid something. You've got an, a needle. You've, you've had a little bit of it introduced into your body. <laughs> your body now can deal with it. And so when every single day, it's nonstop about a lot of times little things. When a big thing happens, how do you distinguish that from the little things? Yeah, well, then it's you. You have to sift, take the time to sift through it yourself, or they, you know, they, you have to have some expert on a panel to tell you just how big of a deal it is. Um, but you probably turned it off uh, yeah. mentally. Yeah. Mentally, you probably turned it off. By well, now. and the, this is the you know the thing with. 24-hour news cycles, right, is that, uh, you know, there's, it's content. Constantly, you're, you need content, and um, and it's, you know, what we're just thinking about it now, I, you could argue that it's lazy to just cover every single tiny little thing that, that Trump does, right? Instead of getting out there and getting some real news, it's, okay, well, it's Trump had lunch, so let's put that <laughs> on the ticker. News. Trump orders club sandwich for lunch. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.